There we go. Some new intro music. A little bit cleaner than last week's. A little bit uh, better audio quality. A little on the long side. That's okay. I like that. It was upbeat. It was positive. You know. Good stuff. Really good stuff. I've, uh, I took a little hiatus. Anytime I get to the end of a flip, things start getting crazy. And um, they get more crazy, and it starts to get less and less fun because, well, obviously your money is, like, dwindling. But the other thing is you're getting down to where it's like, well, do we need to, like, wood fill this little, like, hole on the baseboard and, like, re, you know, wood fill it and paint it? And it just gets down to, like, the, like, nitty-gritty, like, boring stuff. And you're like, okay, like, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to sell this thing. I'm ready to get paid. Can we please move on? But I just want to thank you guys for joining us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is the Zach Hergert Idea Attic Podcast. Broadcasting across the AM dial and anywhere the human voice can be heard. I'm just asking you to share the show, appreciate the show. Uh, Tell two friends. They can tell two friends. This is our own this is our own pirate ship. No one can stop us. We can do whatever we want here. It's a safe space, if you will. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna there's gonna be some seriousness to this, some funniness, some comedy. We're gonna like kind of be all over the board. We're tightening it up a little bit from last week. I reviewed last last my last episode. It was a little bit too loose. I mean, the beginning was funny, and then I got dumb, and then I was texting. My phone was going off. Speaking of my phone going off, I might want to, like, mute my phone. (laughs) That was a little irritating. Not very professional. But over the last couple weeks, you know, uh, we're going into the election. You got your COVIDler on the loose. You got your riots, this, that. This is a perfect time for what I call a media diet. And a media diet is you stop reading the paper... You stop scrolling through Twitter. I know a lot of you out there listening have a Twitter addiction. It's a problem. Twitter is the literally a sewer. And half the time it's like you read these like horrible comments and then if you did any research, you'd be like, well, the person writing this is like a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old. It's just trolling the adults, you know. I have a whole thought process on Twitter I'm not going to get into. We don't have time for that. Stop scrolling through Twitter, quit going to Dredge Report, stop reading all of the fake news, stop listening to the fake news, don't watch MSNBC, don't watch Hannity. You need to take a break. I would say a minimum of a six-week break. You already know who you're voting for. What the hell's the difference at this point? All it's doing is rotting your mind, you know? The thing about your brain is your subconscious, even when you're not consciously thinking about like solving a problem your subconscious is always running it's always trying to solve problems so the biggest issue you have if you're like watching the news and reading the news consuming the news is in the back of your mind your brain is always going to be trying to like come up with solutions to the problems that you're reading about and what it is is it's just a distraction for your mind because your subconscious needs to be working on the problems in your own life you don't have time or capacity to be working for your subconscious to be working on like national or global problems. You need to work on your own problems. So that's my little bit of advice for you today. Obviously, listening to the show 
is not something that you need to cut out. If anything, you need to go back to the beginning and just start re-listening to all of them again. Listen to each episode multiple times to get as much as you possibly can out of it. But even like I've been like, I try really hard not to consume any news, but I always get sucked in, you know. Not always. I do a pretty good job, but, you know, I get sucked in. I got sucked in because, like, uh, Omaha is a mask mandate, so I was reading all this shit about the mask, reading all the stuff about the COVID. And then last night, I know that my subconscious was going crazy because I had a fucking dream about wearing a mask. I had a mask-related dream. That's when you know that your subconscious is out of control. So just put the news down. I recommend listening to a, a, a fantastic podcast such as this one. Uh, or a book. I listen to a lot of books on Audible. I, I, try, I, I listen to about 30 to 40 books a year on Audible. And just um, a couple of my favorites uh, that I'll recommend. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Obviously, that's a fine book. You know, I know what you, you might have some hangups about Robert Kiyosaki. It's not literal. It just helps you get a different mindset than being an employee. Don't take everything so seriously. Take the, like meaning of it uh, on like a macro level. Don't get so like caught up in the details of that one. Now, if you want to get into the details, you need to read, this is probably the the best book I've ever read um, about like business, about like a thought process and stuff. And that's The Millionaire Mindset. And it's a follow-up book to The Millionaire Next Door, but it's actually better because it goes through like specific habit, habits that millionaires have and how they think about things, how they um, pick the job they're in, how they think about buying a house, buying a car. Super, super interesting and very insightful. Um, you know, and if you want to be successful monetarily, uh, those are people that you need to like follow because, you know, 99.9% of people out there, you're not going to be, you know, the next Warren Buffett. You're not going to be the next... Richard Branson, for the most part, I hate to put, I hate to like shit on you, but you're probably not going to be a multi-billionaire. Now you can still be a multi-millionaire. You can even be a deca-millionaire. If you had 20 or $25 million, you can do whatever you want. So right now I'm listening to a book about uh, conspiracy theories. I think conspiracy theories are kind of fun. This one is a, <laughs> this is a book about conspiracy theories, uh, in the in like revolving around hip hop, the business of hip hop and like hip hop culture, really funny. It's like uh, the guy's trying to be serious, but it's like this is so insanely stupid. Um, and the book is like long; it's like a nine-hour listen. I'm about a fourth of the way through. I don't know if I'll finish. I also downloaded. I tried to listen to the the book uh, A Clockwork Orange. And uh, I'm not going to listen to any more of that because the book is so, it's like the English slang is so ridiculous and that I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm like three pages in. So I'm probably going to return that one. But I also started listening to some conspiracy theory podcasts. Uh, and one of them in particular talked about like Stanley Kubrick and like a bunch of Stanley Kubrick movies. Uh Talked about how uh, Stanley Kubrick was involved in, like, faking the moon landing about nine months or a year before um, we landed on the moon. Stanley Kubrick was filming a movie called 2001 A Space Odyssey, and in that movie, it takes place in space. 
in that movie, there are special effects that were pioneered in that movie no one had ever seen before. So the conspiracy theory is, and and on that movie, Stanley Kubrick also worked with uh, with NASA NASA to uh, figure out like what things would look like in space, you know, like make it as realistic as possible. So the conspiracy theory is because he already had a relationship with NASA that they recruited him to film uh, the, the landing on the moon and like a soundstage in, in Los Angeles or in the UK. Uh, so that's interesting. And then the other like uh, conspiracy theory surrounding that is that he confessed to faking the moon landing in the movie, the shining. So the movie, the shining uh, is the one with uh, Jack Nicholson where it goes and he like uh, takes care of like this hotel in, I think it's supposed to be like in Colorado or in, in the mountains. And he like goes insane and uh, like murders, tries to murder his family and everything. Well, I, I guess like the story is, and this part of it's true that Stanley Kubrick like completely like reworked the story that Stephen King had written and kind of did his like own take on it. And the things that he changed are supposed to like, there's some things in the background and some like undercurrents in the movie that are supposed to be him saying um, his like confession to faking the moon landing. So a lot of that stuff was like uh, kind of interesting, uh, kind of something, you know, like <laughs> when I'm doing carpentry, I have, have to like have something to listen to that is a little bit entertaining because it's like when you're measuring and cutting all day or whatever, it's like you need a little bit of a distraction. So that's my distraction. Speaking of working on the flip, just about done with the flip. And I've kind of been doing a little bit here and there, you know, like picking up some trash for some people. It's really like been going good. Um, I'm getting like lots of leads that I'm like turning down. This last week, I could have done six like total house trash outs. Uh, that's very exciting. <laughs> so it's like, once the flip is over, I'm going full steam ahead. This was like kind of fun. Like, uh, my wife bought a Jeep and we bought it at Sid Dillon in Fremont. And then we had to go back there to get the uh, tires like balanced and rotated. Cause it had like a little bit of a shake uh, when you were going like 80 so that we like we went on Wednesday and we were like gonna go back on Thursday to have them check the car out. So during that time, like I had somebody inquire that lived in Fremont that was like, "Yeah, I need like a uh, a refrigerator hauled out of my basement and like disposed of. What would you charge for that?" And I was like, ah, "I don't know. Like Fremont's quite a ways away." I, I was like, ah, "I have to like charge like a hundred bucks for that." And the lady's like, "Well, let me think about it." And then like a day later, she's like, "Yeah, like that would be fine." hundred dollars works. And I was like, Oh, like perfect. And I was like, that's great. Like I can be, I can be there on Friday. I have to take my wife to Sid Dillon anyway, not a problem. So I go, it's like this, uh, older lady and she has like this antique, basically antique refrigerator in her basement. Um, it's from, I think like the 60, the late sixties, early seventies looks like really cool. It's a Westinghouse actually in like pretty good condition. It works and everything. So I was like, Oh, this is great. So with the help of like somebody at the house, we get it out of the basement, put it in the back of my truck. As soon as we get out, like 
all these like white trash guys from like around the neighborhood start descending on on me like saying like hey like i'll take that off your hands for you i want to make it into like a beer fridge so then i was like oh like i'm really onto something here because of all these white trash guys want it that means it actually is worth something so um had it loaded up started driving home i started like looking around for similar ones for sale on facebook and I found some for sale. One was for sale for $900. The other one was for sale for $400. Now, the ones that were, the one that was $900 was basically like in pristine shape. The one that was in $400 was still in better shape than mine. But I was like, okay, like I'm either going to sell this thing as is, or, you know, I could strip the paint down and like paint it like red and put like an N on the front for Nebraska. I could probably sell it for 500 bucks. So I put it in the garage of our flip and and uh, put it on Facebook for sale. And just yesterday, I ended up uh, selling it for 150 bucks. So for something that took me like 10 or 12 minutes, but you know, because I was already going to Fremont. So for something that took me like 10 or 12 minutes, you know, to do, I got paid 250 bucks for it. So that's a good return on in, on my time, in my opinion. And, um, uh, and a couple days ago, me and my cousin went and did like a, a really quick job, like picking up some like furniture for some, some woman that was moving and, uh, we charged $140. We were there 14 minutes. <laughs> so, and it's like, I already have a dumpster cause I'm already like doing the flip. So it just makes sense. It feels good. And the other thing is I feel like, um, doing junk removal and trash outs and stuff. It's like, you're always going to get yourself in like bizarre situations because you're doing weird things that are out of the ordinary. And that's like interesting and like fun. Like I, I like to have a job or I like to go do things that are like a little offbeat. You may have picked up on that. So it's like really fun. Um, so I just can't wait to see like what's in store, the kind of bizarre shit I'm going to like see and like get involved in. So <laughs> <laughs> really exciting. I'm already like seeing some like leads come through that I'm not like responding to because I'm too busy and they're like unique and weird and strange or whatever. You know, like uh, I saw one, somebody's like moving out of a business uh, in like downtown Omaha, like around the airport. Some companies like moving out of their business. They need all of their like office furniture, like thrown away basically. <laughs> That's interesting. The other thing is like, I'm just going to get a storage unit and just stock it full of stuff and just be constantly selling it. So it's like, I get paid on the front end by picking the shit up and I get paid on the back end by selling the stuff. And it's like all cash. Cause I, I basically only accept cash unless it's a really high dollar job. So it's like, it's the bomb, yo. I am loving it. I can't wait to start getting like different trucks and like uh, different trailers and crazy shit. Somebody wanted me to like um, come like haul off a pop-up camper for them. So I'm like, damn, I should like get into like hauling off campers, hauling off boats, haul like buying and selling like cars. Because you can like give, say like, hey, I'll give you money for your like junk car and then turn around and sell it to like a scrap metal place or turn around and sell it to like an actual like salvage yard. Anyway, I don't want to get too into that. Um, I have a lot of ideas with that. The good thing is I I haven't done this in like a week and a half. And in that time, I've like reloaded the idea gun. So I have like three or four weeks of ideas bouncing around in my head. Some of them are like business. Some of them are kind of like side hustles. But we'll get to them. I got a pretty good one for you today. At least I think it's pretty good. Pretty interesting. So we'll get to that. 
uh, in a moment. I just wanted to uh, share something that happened to me the last week. We got a Peloton bike. And, uh, you know, I, like I said before, you know, I put on my COVID-19. I put on some baby weight. Let myself go. That's fine. Uh, we got this Peloton. And at first I was like, this is like not a great idea. But then I like did my first class. It's like fucking awesome. It's really fun. And it, you feel like you're like in a real spin class. So I get the feeling of like being fat shamed or like body shamed because everyone like on the screen is like in very good shape. And they're like, this is my 1500 1500th ride. And I'm like about ready to die of a heart attack during the like warm up. So it's like, I feel like I like that. I like the fat shaming. I like to be like, uh, I'm the least fit person like doing this. I like that feeling because then I feel like I have to catch up. For like the past five years, I've been going to a gym here locally. The place is like really nice. It has like a really good like community feel. It's not really like a, I mean, it is a gym, but it's more like a fitness center, community center kind of feel. And um, whenever I go in there, like I'm like all like fired up, you know, I'm like ready to go. I want to like throw the weights around or whatever. But it's like the place is like full of personal trainers uh, and, and they're always like training people on like mobility because most people that go there are like, like geriatric They're I I'm probably one of the youngest people that goes there. I would say the majority of people that go there are over the age of 60. So it's like, I'm trying to like do a max bench press. And the guy beside me is like doing stuff just to like stay mobile so he can stay in his house. Uh, as long as possible before he has to go to like assisted living, which I'm not like shitting. I mean, I don't. Uh, that's just not, you know, you get what I'm saying. You know, it's like, uh, it just kills your vibe a little bit. Moving on. So let's get to the idea. That wasn't a very funny story. That actually didn't go anywhere. Um, the idea of the week. Now, I think this idea is, it's really good. It's It's not super unique. It's pretty unique. Sorry, back on the Diet Coke. People, you got to live your life, for God's sakes. I got to have Diet Coke, or it's just, you know. So the idea of the week, not it's pretty original, not super original. I don't know how much money you can make with this, but I think that if you really dedicated yourself to it, really worked hard at it, you could make pretty good money. But you could also... Well, here's just some of the reasons, and here's what it is. It's a baby, you're, what you're going to be doing is reviewing baby products on U, YouTube, like do have a YouTube channel reviewing baby products. Um, I would also like have a blog and maybe a podcast that goes with that, just so you can reach as many people as possible. Um, and so like, why should you do it? Like, why is this a good idea? Well, number one, and this these are things that I'm learning that I've learned over the last five months, well, longer than that, even six or seven months, you have to like buy all this shit anyway, you know, for a baby. And it's like, you have to, there's literally so many products that you have to buy that you don't already have. So you're going to need things that you don't have, like such as bottles, car seats, strollers, uh, cribs, crib cameras, uh, different kinds of food, different food additives, different clothes, uh, tons of different sizes of clothes. Because it's like, well, before the baby's born, you don't know how big the baby's going to be. Um, it's just like every like toys, all kinds of like different uh, accessories, and like as they grow up, 
you have to get them different stuff. And what I'm saying as they grow up, it's like as they grow up from being one month old to two months old, you're going to have to like get more and more things. And I feel like me and my wife, we have pretty like bare minimum stuff, but it literally goes from like, you could have the bare minimum like what we have, or you can go completely crazy. Like I know people have like, there's a sock you can put on newborns that like monitors their heart rate and like a little alarm goes off if it goes too low. I mean, just all kinds of like crazy stuff, all kinds of different like accessories for the bath, literally accessories for anything the baby's going to be doing. So there's so much stuff. There's a, there's a literally a sea of things out there. So you're going to have no, you're going to have so much material you never, ever run out of material, basically. So that's a plus. The other thing is, if, you ha- if you're going to be having a baby or you have a baby, you're already going to buy this stuff. But here's the, here's the first benefit of doing this business, of the, reviewing these items on YouTube, uh, on a YouTube channel. And that is, you're going to be buying this stuff anyway. If you turn buying that stuff into a business, you can deduct buying those things as props for your show or business expenses for your YouTube business. So right there, you know, it might take 800 or $1,200 to make like an LLC out of like baby review, like YouTube channel, but you're going to get all that back because you're already buying so much stuff. You might as well get some tax benefits from it. So right there, it's going to be saving you money. You're money ahead with that. The other thing is there's a dedicated and passionate audience that you're going to be able to reach. So, you know, my wife, she's in, there's tons and tons of Facebook groups that you can join, you know, uh, everything from like uh, national groups about like different topics all the way down to people like in your own community that like want to talk about, uh, you know, could be talking about different products, could be talking about like different practices they have, could be reviewing like local businesses or like local daycares or schools, things like that. So you already have a built-in audience of people who are going to want to consume this channel uh, reviewing all these different things. So that's another good thing. You already have a built-in audience, which is, that's huge, you know. Like me, there's no built-in audience for my rants. You know, I'm just like hassling my friends and family to to listen to this. But these are people that are already going to be super interested that you can tap right into. The other thing is the products you're going to be reviewing for the most part have big spreads. So if you have a if you review a product, let's say, let's say if you're reviewing products and like most of your YouTube uh, videos get like let's just say for the sake of argument, most of them get like 10,000 views over like six months. Well, if you have one that like really blows up that gets like 500,000 views or a million views, you can be like, well, I should just like sell that product directly, you know, with a link in the comments or or, or do a follow-up, something similar that I know that people are going to watch, be interested in and possibly like buy. Um, these products have huge spreads. So you could like potentially drop ship um, or... Uh, or buy and like resell these things. So uh, just for example, I looked up, me and my wife were thinking about doing this with like baby, baby cameras or like baby monitors. Um, And if you go to Alibaba, you could get like a baby monitor just for, for easy math. You could get like a baby monitor. um, If you bought like 10 of them or 20 of them for $20 each, 
and that same baby monitor will retail for $199, uh, between like $199 and $250. So that's a huge markup. If you want to sell these things directly, you can make a good markup with that. You could also do like affiliate links. So the money is definitely there in these products. Um, so those are four reasons that I think this is like a good idea. So I'll kind of walk you through exactly what I think, how you, what I think, or like kind of what I'm thinking, like how you would do it and like how you would structure it to like make money. Obviously, if you do this, you can like kind of do your own thing with that. But I think this is a good way to like walk you through it, kind of like how it would work. So I'll just use the idea of like uh, the baby cameras or like the baby monitors. Now, like there's so many different like baby monitors uh, out there. What I would do is maybe get like the top like one or two, or you could do three. Um, and and just make a YouTube video like reviewing maybe one video reviewing each one, and then like a um, and then a one video like comparing them all to like each other and like ranking which one's the best. So you would make a video about that. Um, you would do like a blog post on a website that you had like that. Um, I would steer people from the YouTube channel to your blog because maybe on the blog you could be like, well, you know, there's some special offers on the blog. Uh, I can get you like discounts on baby monitors or like there's more information on different kinds of baby monitors. So you definitely want like a reason for them to go from your YouTube to your blog. And then once they're on the blog, I would try to get them to sign up for like a newsletter Um where and you have to have obviously a value add of why they should sign up to sign up for the newsletter and then once they're in the newsletter you can start like advertising to them keeping the people up to date about like what you're reviewing you know maybe maybe you start selling like a certain kinds of baby monitors that's where you can like hit them up with those kind of things everything like that so the more people you could get to sign up for your newsletter that's how you're going to like start really making money obviously with like the youtube channel you can have a affiliate links. You can have affiliate links on your blog. You're not going to get like tons of money off the affiliate links, but there's just like another way that you can start to monetize that. Um, on the, on YouTube, you can also do like uh, uh, commercials. Uh, again, you're not going to make like tons of money off commercials on YouTube, but like it, it's not really just that one thing. It's it's doing like tons of things. So like the commercials on YouTube, affiliate links, selling products, you know, selling email lists. And then um, I would also like do a blog where you talk about uh, different products and things like that. Cause I feel like, a, a, I'm sorry, I would do a podcast. I think I said blog. Um, I would do a podcast to go along with the YouTube channel and the blog, just because uh, people like to uh, listen to things while they drive. You know, it's just like another a way to like to get to people and you could do a separate podcast or you could basically just strip the audio out of the YouTube video and put it on, uh, put it on a podcast. And what you're going to want to do is just basically like grow your audience, grow your email list. You don't want to get as many people on your email list as possible. Cause that's how you're going to really start doing the direct selling. Um, but I think all those, all those, all those different funnels that you would have out there, uh, with this, you could make some pretty good money. I think in the beginning, like the best part of it is you would just be able to get like to uh, get a little bit of a tax write off having this business, buying the products that you already have. But I think that's really good. Um, there's probably other things out there like that, but I think that there there is room um, for something, something like that. <clears throat> so that's the business idea. 
I think it's great. Like if you go out there, start it, you can have your wife start it. <laughs> That's a good one. Cause it's like, she's already passionate about it. We went through like fucking 10 different kinds of like baby formula bottles. And that, so we had a kind that you put like a, basically like a plastic bag in, and then you put the formula in that and then you throw the plastic bag away. And then we like tried all these different kinds. We probably tried like six or seven different kind. And then we just ended up going with the, the first kind that we had anyway. So it's like, um, if your wife is already going to be buying stuff, you might as well like try to make some money off it. You know what I mean? Anyway, and you can do that and you can do it from home. So if you're listening to this somewhere where you're like totally locked down and you can't do anything, this is a great business idea and it's pretty simple and straightforward. So that is the idea, boys. Now check out the, I got a business, I got a real interesting business for sale for you. I actually got two, double trouble. So the first one is, is in King County, Washington. It's a work environment product sales and space design business. So you're, I know what you're saying. You're saying, what the hell does that mean? Let's get into it. Asking 1.6 million. Cash flows six hundred thousand a year. It's pretty good. Gross revenue about five million. I'll just read you the descript. So the business is a long-standing, reputable commercial office furniture provider with a established, loyal customer fan base that provides home-based virtual workers, small and large companies, and government entities. Uh, the business focuses on providing all of the products and services required to maximize comfort and work environment productivity. They provide in-house space planning, design rendering, delivery, and installation. And that creates an easy process for customers. So what they do is they come into your, let's say you have a debt collection service. You have 20 employees making calls in the bullpens. So you rent a bay out and you're like, well, I don't know how to like design this. I don't know how to maximize it. I don't know how to like make it sexy. So people are going to kind of going to want to come and do this crummy job of debt collecting. You hire this company, they come in and they say, here's how you divide the things up for the best productivity. Here's we'll, we'll come in, we'll install all this furniture for you. We'll sell you, sell you the furniture, install it, get it all set up. And that's probably a business that you never, ever like really thought about, you know, but I think that it's good. The other thing is now because of the COVID, the COVIDler, people have to go, people and um, office managers and companies, they have to go back and they have to redesign things. So people are X amount of feet apart or maybe put up uh, plastic barriers in between people. So the demand for home office furniture and recreating the office space with uh, all of the things that go along with COVID has actually increased the demand for this specific business and others like it. So that's very exciting. This business is established. It's been around since, uh, hold it. <laughs> uh, I thought it said it doesn't, hasn't, doesn't say, uh, Currently, they have a full-time staff of 12 employees. The company has a solid online presence with numerous reviews across social media platforms, averaging uh, over four stars 
They run lots of Google AdWords. It's well-optimized and provides quality leads on a regular basis. They have an e-commerce store and multiple communication portals uh, are part of their ever-evolving company website. The global office furniture market is projected to grow at a rate of 5.4% during from 2020 to 2023. Well, I think the best play on this is people need office furniture for their home now. Um, and to get everything COVID-19, you know, set up so that you can keep your employees at the office if you need to. So, like I said, it's in King County, Washington. The company is located, uh, the company location is well-branded and it's highly visible. They have an 18,000 square foot mixed-use building uh, off the highway. Rent is $18,000 uh, a month. With a two, with a, they have a two-year lease on that. Now, the seller is retiring, which is good. That's a thumbs up. The seller will also finance 50% um, of the transaction for a qualified buyer. So that's really good. They're going to be holding 50% uh, of the note. Now, if you want to learn more about this business, you can uh, contact Gregory Kovsky at IBA Business Brokers. His number is 425-526-4316. So I thought that one was interesting. Here's another one. This is a little bit more up my alley because I'm more into the construction kind of shit. That's just what I know. And I feel like I can kind of judge. I can judge those kind of businesses a little bit better. I just thought the office uh, work product office space stuff could be a possibly if you're already into that or could be a good play. Now this business is a metal business. They do metal fabrication asking $3 million cash flows 1.2 million a year. So that's really good. That's a good asking to cash flow. And that's on a, a gross revenue of $4.2 million. Uh, it's a metal fabrication design and building services uh, company. It's already SBA qualified, so that's good. Easier to get a loan on uh, pre-qualified SBAs. Metal fabrication design uh, and build and building. Now they service the uh, Bay Area, San Francisco Bay. They've been in uh, been in business for over twenty years. They work with structural engineers, architects, general contractors. Um, they work on public and private sector, uh, as well as residential and commercial. And the processes that they do involve identifying what kind of metals to use, planning and welding, heavy, uh, heavy steel, or special structure, structural metal work, cutting, rolling, twisting, bending, and bolting. They have a 10,000 square foot warehouse available for purchase. So the per that is not uh, in the listing. It would be a separate sale. Located in San Francisco, California, they have 19 employees. The owner is retiring, which that's a positive. Support and training, they said that the owner says they'll stay on for uh, four weeks. You could probably get them to stay on longer. <clears throat> now, being in California, in San Francisco, is kind of a double-edged sword. Now, California or San Francisco is obviously very densely populated. That's one thing. Everything there is expensive. But 
if if you already live there or you can move from somewhere else and you can control how expensive your own like personal living situation is now i would not i i shouldn't say i wouldn't because I, i've seen other businesses for sale in san francisco um not not ones i've talked about but other ones i've seen before that they were like amazingly good i think this one is like really good if you pay someone three million dollars you can make 1.2 million dollars a year in profit so that's really exciting the problem is in san francisco uh it's expensive to like operate there it's expensive to live there but my thing is could you live in oakland could you live in uh somewhere outside of town and like just commute could you like rent rent a place cheap for 10 year i mean could you work something out could you put a manager in place of this business and then like live somewhere else if you're already uh, if you already knew if you're already familiar with this kind of business so i think that in california in places that people want to flee if you could like weather the storm somehow or or make it work out where you could peel a little bit of money off of a business like this, and this business makes a lot of money, $1.2 million a year, that's a lot of money. If you could find a way to like to own this business and benefit from owning it without getting sucked in to the high living expenses to all the negatives of, of necessarily living there. Now, if something is making $1.2 million, you should be able to find a general manager that you could have operate that business. That's what I would do. Um, and I think that we need to like do an episode where we talk about buying a business and operating a business and buying a business that's big enough where you can like find someone to operate it for you on your behalf. Because let's say this business, you find somebody who's qualified that you can trust that you can has a track record that you can put in there and pay like a hundred or around a hundred thousand or 150,000, depending on what kind of business it is. I mean, if you could collect 800,000 or 500,000 a year off of that business, off of the profits, I mean, that's worth the headaches, right? So I think that's really uh, interesting. So if you want to learn more about the specific business, it is listed by the BTI Group. Their phone number is 408-459-4076. If you want more information about that, you can hit me up and I'll uh, send you some link, Karuskis. So those are the businesses for sale. Kind of interesting. The furniture business isn't super exciting, but you can make some, I think you can do okay with that. So let's get to the three critiques. Hold up, taking a drink. I've never heard Rush Limbaugh like take a drink of anything on air, so that's probably he has commercial breaks. Um, the three critiques, the three things that we look into, talk about, research. So the first idea is dropping out of life to be a bartender on a beach somewhere. <laughs> I've had several conversations with people who were like, "Fuck it, I just, you know, I work." And I work, and my payoff is I go on a vacation once a year to Key West for like a week. And then I see these guys that are like my same age, and they're like tending bar. But they don't have to like really like work that hard. They're not working that hard tending bar. They're just basically partying all the time. 
and their lifestyle isn't drastically like different than mine. You know, I have a nicer car than them. I get a vacation, but they live at vacation. You know, maybe they live in some shitty apartment, but they live in like paradise, you know. Um, that could be fun for like a while. You know, like if you're 21 or 22 and you're like, I just want to like kind of chill for like a, a couple years and then, you know, to kind of just experience what it's like to just be a piece of shit and just chill. Yeah, that's fine. But if you're like my age, that's, if you're any older than that, I, I feel like, and if you do it for more than like a little bit, you know, as like a kind of a three-year like hiatus or vacation or two-year or whatever, obviously like tending bar in Key West or Naples or whatever that's going to like wear off, you know, you're going to probably want something that's a little bit more, uh, satisfying a little bit with a little bit more meaning. Now I know that I'm saying you're going to want something with more, more meaning and I'm starting another like garbage collection business, but garbage is like my passion project. So I guess if like your passion is bartending in the Caribbean, that's fine. But I don't think that, I think that it's uh, one of those things where the grass is greener, looks greener. But once you like started doing it full time, you'd be like, this is like pretty boring and it's not very fun. And everyone else is partying and I'm working. So think about that. It's like, what are you going to do? Like work three days a week and the other, the other four days or the other three days, like go to work, like the bar you bartender tend at just to hang out. <clears throat> anyway. Uh. The other one is, now this is something that I've thought about, and someone was asking me about, like, someone was asking me, like, what are some, like, underserved, like, contracting or, like, maintenance kind of things? What are some, like, underserved areas? And this is, like, pretty underserved, and if you ever have to use these services, they're, like, pretty expensive. And what it is is it's a chimney sweep um, or, like, chimney fireplace inspection or repair. Now, a lot of times the houses that we buy for like flipping or like investment or whatever, because we're in Nebraska, they almost always have fireplaces. Even the like sh cheap shitty house that I just flipped earlier this year, still had a fireplace. So uh, most people that like uh, buy the houses want to do a home inspection. And then a lot of them too, because like the chimneys haven't been used in quite a while on like a flip or like a rental. So people quite often like want to do like a, a, a chimney and like fireplace inspection and a, a fireplace inspection is like a couple hundred dollars and that they usually come and inspect it. They do like a quick chimney sweeping and a chimney sweep is basically like they put like a little like sweeper on the end of like a, a drill and then they just run it up and down the chimney. So it's not like a big deal, but to have them come do that is like a couple hundred dollars. And then if you need any like fireplace repair or you like want to switch from like uh, wood burning to gas log or gas log to like wood burning or like I do like a gas insert, all that stuff is like real expensive. So we used to live in a house that was built in 1940 and it had a like gas log. Um, and one day like the thing that controlled the like flame like went out, like totally went out. It like totally broke. It wouldn't work at all. So we called like a local place. There's only like three local places to call for one thing. 
we called the local place. They came in and looked at it and they were like, well, we could like switch out this whole thing and like put a new one in, which was like eight or nine hundred dollars. Or they're like, we can like have a see if we can like find like a refurbished part for this. And they're like, this looks like it was made in like built. This looks like it was put in here in like the 40s or 50s. So they're like, we can't like guarantee that we can find something like refurbished that we can put in here. But we'll try and then we'll like call you back or whatever. Well, they found something and the part was like 175 bucks. And then for them to come like switch that part out with the old one was like another like 170. So my bill for that was like $400. And they were in and out in like probably a half an hour. Um, we've had to use them before, like on other things. And the bill is always like, you feel like you're paying a plumber. So that's a, that's like a really good kind of contracting maintenance business that doesn't have a lot of competition. Um, you know, if, if you start a fire in your fireplace and like smoke isn't going out of the fireplace, it's like coming into the house or like smoke is like seeping through the like chimney, like uh stone or brick you're going to like call a chimney sweep. I mean, that's not something that you're going to try to figure out on your own. So I think that's a good business. So that's a definite yes. Uh, the last critique. Now, anyone that knows me knows that I'm a big, I'm a big bingo fan. Over the years, I've made a good amount of money playing bingo. You know, I made 2,200 bucks in like one round of bingo a couple of years ago. That was pretty sweet. And the other thing is I like bingo because the house never like really wins at bingo because a, one player like has to, has to like get the bingo. You know what I mean? So that's, that's intriguing for me. So like the couple of times I mean, Kaylee have like won like pretty good money playing bingo. Like we were at like a bingo hall in a casino and it was like us and like 12 or 13 other people. So then your odds of winning go up quite a bit. You know, it's like, well, I have like a one in 12 chance of winning. That's better than playing a slot machine. So this idea is, and I know some other people that play bingo all the time and we were talking about it. And they were like, I wonder if you could like make any money starting a bingo parlor or a bingo hall. Now, I happen to know, because I've done the research in Nebraska, in order to have a bingo parlor, in order to get like the licensing from the state, you have to like be partnered up uh, with like a nonprofit, some sort of charity. And then they, the charity like gets all of the profit and you would get like all of the operating expenses. So um, anything over and above like what you're paying yourself like that. So all the profits basically like would go to like a nonprofit or a charity. And because of that, the bookkeeping by the state, uh, the overwatch by the state is like very like intense. So I think it would be pretty difficult in Nebraska to make any money with a bingo parlor. The other thing in Nebraska is like right across the river in Iowa, gambling is legal. So, uh, you're never going to like have a bingo parlor that's going to be packed with money with people that love gambling when they have the option of like going to a real casino across the way. Now, I don't know. Every state is like different on how they handle it. So if you could like find a state um, where you could uh, privately operate like a bingo hall and there wasn't tons of legal gambling like a casino close, you might be able to make some money. But I think that you would really be making the majority of the money, not necessarily in 
the gambling, but you'd be making the majority of the money off of like concessions, uh, drinks. If you could get an alcohol license, that would be like the best thing. You'd really be able to make money then. Um, if you could even like have like uh, other gambling there, like pickle, uh, if you could have Kino there, that would be really good too. But I, th or if you could like serve, really serve food, um, like have it attached to, I know, attached to a restaurant or something like that. Because bingo is going to get people in. But with the bingo, you have to like pay out. Obviously, like if you're paying out a hundred or two hundred dollars a hand, then you have a five hundred people there. You're going to be making like money from that, but you're going to also like want all the food and concessions. And a lot of people don't know this, but in Las Vegas, the the casinos actually make the majority of their money off of food and drinks. I know that like probably blows people's mind, but ever since like the casinos first opened, like in the sixties and seventies, there the amount of revenue and profitability that the actual gambling part um, makes the casinos has gone down. Basically like the peak was, let's say like 1968 and the amount of money that they make from gambling like has gone down, but the amount of money that they make from like selling food and drink is like gone up. So um, I think that you'd have to follow the same model uh, with the bingo parlor. So I think that it could be pretty difficult to make money with a bingo business, but um, I think that, that would be kind of a fun business if you wanted to. But I don't think you're going to like strike it rich. I don't think you're going to be a cash money millionaire doing that. But those are the the three critiques of the week. Once again, I want to thank you guys for stopping by. Now, I know this one wasn't super funny. It wasn't super serious. Well, it was pretty serious. It wasn't super funny. Um, last week's, uh, was maybe trying to like get too many laughs. So we got to find a happy medium, but you know, I'm just trying to crank them out for you. Um, it's really tough when I'm like wrapping up a flip cause I'm like pretty low energy yesterday. I was at the flip for 12 hours. Uh, that's pretty lame. Um, and the other thing too, like when I'm wrapping up, it's like, I'm just mad at everyone. Cause it's like, you know, the painters fucked up, the plumber fucked up, the electrician fucked up, the tile guy messed up, the carpet guys messed up. You know, it's like I'm always like screaming at someone. So that just drains a guy. But love the show, respect the show, share the show, uh, gather around with your families and just enjoy the show. So appreciate you guys stopping by and we will talk to you next week. Later. <laughs> yes.